It's time to turn out the light, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Have you ever thought that long tracking shots for the majority of a film was a great idea? Well, if you did, then you must have made Evil Clutch. That one was a pretty short intro, unlike the last few. Feel a little underprepared. Uh, okay. Well, that that theme actually does go on for a little bit longer, but it's constantly inter- interrupted by this bad English dubbing. Without that picture, you still couldn't believe that you're on the famous route of Bridge in Venice, hmm? No, I couldn't. It was nice being here in Venice, just like in a play. Oh, look, look at this one. It was so funny. See, this is an Italian film from 1988 that was picked up by Troma, good old Troma, for distribution in the United States. It was directed and written by Andreas Marfori, which I'm probably ruining that name, and Evil Clutch as well. It's a weird kind of movie, which... Uh, I'm sure is partially due to the fact that it's been dubbed over and that it's been translated from the original Italian script, uh, of course, over to English. It's got like a Goldfinger complex. The actors, when they speak or mouth, the lines in English, but then it's obviously dubbed over. Either that or the sound editing is really awful in this movie. You know, actually, since the film itself didn't transfer so well, I had to edit the sound clips a bit to make them a little more audible. So it might sound a little weird in spots. I tried my best, and they work. They might just be a little louder than I wanted them to be. I should also point out that one character has an odd voice, and he's a little difficult to understand. So be warned when we get to him, uh, it's going to be, you know, not quite a Bane uh, type of voice, but it will be a little difficult maybe to understand him with all that said let's begin the film so as the credits begin to roll it's constantly interrupted by these pictures that fly across the screen well fly is actually a pretty bad word it's more like a uh, powerpoint slideshow where the images just appear from the darkness of my su- i mean from the the screen uh, they're pictures of our two leads cindy and tony who i guess met in italy I never really got any of this from these images, uh, but she's supposed to be an American, and of course, he's the Italian. Uh, We're supposed to really get it from all these pictures of them around Italy that pop up on the screen, but it's hard because they're almost like the same images each time the film stops to have them talk about the pictures. They don't really change much from screen to screen. Well, they're planning a trip 
to the Alps where I'm sure nothing will go wrong at all. And I hate to admit it, but for some reason I thought that they were going to go to Sweden to go to the Alps. But old dum-dum here didn't realize that the Alps stretch from France to Germany and the north side of Italy has a portion that they can visit. Yep, that American education has served me quite well. Anyway, once the whole credit sequence is over, we get a long tracking shot of this man in what looks like a mechanic outfit walking with a stick in the woods. The scene of him walking without anything really happening goes on for quite a bit uh, until he shows up in some room with a lady sitting on the ground. That's where we get some quick dialogue. See, you couldn't stay away from me for long. You knew you had to come back. Now, you'll stay with me. Under my power. Forever and ever. So he starts macking on her hardcore when- Holy shit, vagina claw! I'm not kidding, this huge claw-like thing comes out from between her legs and then grabs onto his- uh, Oh no. No, 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 not that. That ain't right. You don't just go off and claw a man's dick like that. Oh, God, I can feel his pain even when I type this. Uh, there's nothing like having your dick ripped off by a vagina claw. Well, supposedly this character's name uh, with the claw is Arva, and the dude whose dick got ripped off is Fango. Nowhere in the movie did I hear anyone say that, and I had to really look that up on IMDb as I didn't really stay through the credits, to be honest. So... I called him Dickless, and she goes as Vagina Claw, now known as VC. So, I think I'm going to have to stick with that. So, after she rips his dick off, uh, she goes all goth lady with her skin now turning white and some really dark eyeshadow around her eyes. It's quite the shitty transformation, only to be shown up by another shitty transformation of hers late in the film, and we'll get to that. So Dickless dies, I guess, but it's never really made quite sure. As he looks like he's dying, but then he has a reaction, then he looks like he's dying again, then he's okay, and he spits up some blood, and then, then he's dead. It really doesn't take him quite long to kick the bucket after his dick's been plucked from his body. The screen fades, and we get another tracking shot, this time of a car traveling in the mountains. It turns out to be Tony and Cindy, and Cindy describes the Alps uh, as what they look like to her. I bet you never thought you'd visit the Alps on your entire <laughs> holidays. They're really very nice. Rather weird. <laughs> Remind me of Snow White's Woods. Snow White's Woods? What's up with that awful singing? The music doesn't even make any sense. Oh, fuck. It's whistle while you work, isn't it? But it's done all fucking weird so they don't have to infringe on any type of copyrights. It's the only answer is it sounds nothing like anything from the rest of Snow White. You know, why would they be singing or humming or whatever that garbage is unless it's supposed to be a ripoff of another song? I mean, it took me until the second time that they do it, and I'm not going to submit you guys to the second time, to really realize that that's kind of the idea that they had with that song. So the scene then jumps to some weird negative shifting, you know, when the colors get inversed on the film. And then the director implements some sort of, like, Sam Raimi can. If you've ever seen The Evil Dead, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like that really quick, like, wisping around and suddenly showing up somewhere. It's like acting like an evil beast. Um, 
And it's quite understandable, as Evil Dead 2 came out in 1987 and improved on the type of follow cam that Raimi had used in the original Evil Dead. So this Raimi cam goes through the mountaintop while using some really horrible music while it's flying around until it comes upon Tony and Cindy's car. They stop just in time, right before the VC, before they hit VC, not the VC, okay, um, but right before they hit VC, who seems to pop out of the middle of nowhere. The after, she's okay, and what the hell's wrong with her? What's going on? In there? There was something in there. What's in there? He attacked me. He tried to jump on me. Who? I really don't know, but it should still be in there. Please, do something. Okay, calm down. I'll go and have a look. Hmm? Okay. You fucking liar. There's nothing there. You're the one using that claw of yours to pluck out people's dicks. You're some kind of, like, dick collector, aren't you? And you see Tony over there as a prime subject for dick collecting. I bet they all li- are, like, in line in your place, hanging on the walls like trophies to show other dick enthusiasts. Oh, yes, darling. I found this dick while I was on safari. And this one is quite old. It's from the Ming Dynasty. Well, Tony decides to go and check around the surrounding areas uh, while Cindy sits uh, near the car and comforts VC. He ends up in some cemetery or a church with a graveyard. It doesn't really quite make sense. I mean, like you see kind of like a church, but it could be just somebody's burial plot. So I'm really not quite sure. It's a really slow scene. And the only thing that really happens is that we get another Raimi cam shot that dances around Tony like he's some sort of like fashion model in a photo shoot. He notices the camera or, you know, I guess it's like a spirit And it looks like something might actually be there, but nope, there's absolutely nothing there. There was no one in there, but I don't know how to put it. I got a feeling as if something or someone was really there. That's a strange, very strange. Just take me away from here. Okay, jump on. We'll bring you to the village. Sure, you felt something. Just like that VC you'll get into... Uh, if you help this lady out. I should also note that this guy sounds a lot like Van Damme and kind of looks like him too. Like a very young version. It's a weird coincidence for sure. Uh, so they all pile into the family roadster and begin the trek to the nearest village. There's more tracking traveling shots with some of Cindy caressing VC in an awfully intimate and weird manner. And then they pull into the village. I also want to point out something weird on the car. It's the windshield wiper. Now wait, wait, hear me out. It's just like nothing I've ever seen before. I know this movie's from 88, but when I was a kid, I never saw a car with a wiper like that that stands out like a good four inches from the windshield. I mean, was this something kind of common back on some Jeeps back then? Maybe it's like a European thing? I I just don't know. It struck me as odd. So after this admiration of the car, uh, a random dude on a motorcycle shows up and it scares off VC like there's no tomorrow. This guy almost looks like Michael Richards from UHF. I guess she didn't want to get the fire hose after all. Supposedly his name is Algernoon, and I know I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but in my notes I called him Aviator Guy, further known as AG, as he has those aviator glasses and hat just kind of sitting on his head while he wears his long white lab coat. Also, this is the guy that speaks weird because he speaks through a voice box like an ex-smoker, which makes him pretty difficult to understand. Do you know her? Uh-uh. 
We met down by the cemetery. Was attacked. Because I'd like to see hairdresser face to face. Do you know that girl? She lives here. It didn't take you that long to make friends. Usually, it's no so easy for outsiders. Doesn't seem so to me. We've already met two people. Yeah, that's true. You chose a very strange place for your vacation. A nice one, but weird. I want to show you something. Come along. So, after the first couple moments of meeting AG, they decide to follow him around, even though their new friend VC just ran from them like a ghost. I mean, I'm surprised that there wasn't like a cloudy image of her left behind with how fast she ran away. And they, you know, they're talking about like, oh, we're making friends real fast. You're not making friends, just meeting fucking people. Uh. Well, while walking around the town, AG tells them more about the town and explains exactly who he is. In fact, I wasn't, I wasn't born here, but I arrived here just like you. So it's a permanent vacation? Not really. I retired up here after an operation to remove a third tumor that left me talking like a robot with this little machine. Wait, talking like a what? Like a robot. What the hell's a robot? Is that some sort of, like, Canadian-Italian hybrid? Another thing, the actions and actings of Eiji don't really match the voice that they're using for him at all. He looks him like some sort of mentally challenged creepster, but his voice comes off more of, like, an Igor or an Igor type uh, than anything else. So they keep walking and talking, and Eiji, of course, gives them the story of the mountains. These mountains are really cursed. Many hundreds of years ago, the Simbers, a mysterious people, lived here isolated from the rest of the world. They practiced strange, evil rites, conjuring up demonic forms, which danced with the priestesses. Like the Sabbath witches. Unluckily. Everybody thinks it was only a legend, so nobody hunts them anymore. But now they are back. They force their victims to participate in repugnant rites. After luring them to abandon all ovals where they finally sacrificed hey, them. Right. Now you are going too far with your imagination. So he gets all weird and begins to also tell them a story of their possible fate, which is strange. And and before I go into that, like the actor or whoever does did the voice dubbing for the voice box guy, he actually does a pretty good job. But it makes me really feel like they actually got a guy that uses one of those things to do the talking. That's if it's acting, it's really good. If it is an actual guy, it makes me kind of sad. So it's at this point that the film cuts to the story of an alternate Cindy and Tony, and they're on the beach making out when all of a sudden Tony pulls out a knife on Cindy, 
And I should mention that they're both kind of look like they're dressed as grease rejects. I mean, he looks like he could be John Travolta and she could be any other whore from that time period. And at this point, when he pulls a knife on her, he tries to kill her. Which, I guess he does succeed, because he tries to bury the body next, but runs away before he even shovels a small bit of sand on her. She gets up and has some of the worst zombie makeup I've seen in a long time in a movie. And I know this is, again, this is from 88, uh, but still, you know, it, it looks horrible. Uh, it cuts back a second to AG, and he's looking like he's getting off on the story, and cuts back to Tony's grease reject character trying to drink a beer. At first, I didn't know that it actually cut back to the story since it felt like they had just done it like, oh, hey, he's, you know, killed her and now she's back as a zombie, the end. Uh, But really, that, I guess, was just act one. So when he tries to drink the beer, it turns to sand and then liquid starts turning to sand everywhere in his house. I mean, he tries to go after the sink and the water from the sink turns it. He tries to put toothpaste on top of his toothbrush and that turns into sand, so it just kind of like it's cursing him and haunting him. Um, suddenly, Cindy, zombie Cindy, I should say, comes out from what seems like nowhere and then starts chewing on Tony and eventually kill him. Uh, the last insult to injury is that her zombie form starts rubbing some like green snot substance on his face, and the tale ends much to Cindy's dismay. She, a terrible end. You have come to die. Hey, Ryder, I don't like your stories. I don't like your little talking machine, and I don't like you. Please, Tony, let's leave. Okay, let's go. You're no friend? You are one weird son of a bitch. But at the same time, like, when I hear Cindy speak, it reminds me of, like, Rosie O'Donnell from A League of Their Own. It's really weird and, like... I I can't get over it. So, at this point, they leave AG and discover that this whole village is empty and it's kind of weird. It's like they didn't have the budget for extras in this movie. Just shots of the Alps and some crappy sound stages. In fact, we've only got these five actors in the entire film. Uh, Cindy, of course, is freaked out and wants to go back to Venice. But Tony is pretty adamant that they continue on with their trip. Oh, Tony, I don't like this place. We were supposed to have a fun trip, but just, I feel so strange. Let's go back to Venice. Tyler, we were going to have a trip to the Alps. And we'll have it. You know what? Fuck you, movie. What's this? I don't want to go do this to, no, you're going to, to, okay, we'll keep going kind of bullshit you got going on here. I know this is the 80s, but really, she's obviously worried about that these two weird people that they've just met. One, a woman who was just attacked, and the other is some creepster who's telling these nasty stories about them and wants... And she just wants to go back to fucking Venice. Just let her go back. But, oh no, I spent good money on this trip, so we're not going back. We're gonna go have fun. This is some Clark Griswold type of bullshit here. Okay, okay, just breathe in. Relax. It's just a movie. It's not going to affect your life. <sighs> so there's more walking to bad music. And at this point, how often is this movie going to do this? And then there's an image of VC watching our, over our couple. Then more tracking shots of the car. Till they finally pull over and take a hike, I guess. I swear at this point in the movie, there are more scenes of people traveling and doing nothing. 
uh, than actual dialogue in this movie. So after they park and they start getting their stuff out of their Jeep, uh, guess who followed them? Why, well, it's good old AG. What? Seriously, I mean, is everyone, and I really mean just VC and AG, really just keeping an eye on these people constantly? Even Cindy doesn't approve of AG being there. What a horrible guy. Though, following that, they, following that, they let him talk to them again and tell them some sort of, like, terrible thing. You see, there are things turn not the way they seem to be. The toads, for example. This fleet swimming in the stream. They see this little hook and they think that it's a delicious small fish. So the trouts go after it. But of course they end up Sometimes, too, that guy reminds me from the kid in Malcolm in the Middle that has to pause every fucking second that he's going to say a line. And that was done for comedic effect, and I don't know why it's done here. Oh, just pause every time after you, you speak. It'll be okay. You don't have to worry about it. And seriously, if you hate this guy so much, why do you keep letting him talk to you? Just tell him to fuck off and go about your business. Oh, and hell, you're such a man's man, Tony. Why not just kick his frail old ass and go about your business? I'm sure you could Van Damme kick him or something. So after this little parable, story, whatever you want to fucking call it, uh, and I can't tell at this point if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I mean, I think he's like a Van Helsing sort of character, but I guess that's going to have to be seen maybe later on in the movie. I'm not sure. AG leaves, and Tony acts like a dick to Cindy. What happened? What happened? Remember, as for moon tonight. <laughs> you cut <laughs> Sure, she's been scared shitless, but it's able to laugh at the type of bullshit that Tony does. Just, god damn it. It's so fucking ridiculous. Oh, let's just laugh at that. But, you know, this creepster here that's telling us things and warning us about shit, let's ignore that. Uh, well, they walk through the woods. More tracking shots. Yay. And a tree bant falls down and almost hits Cindy. Uh, I shouldn't say that it almost hits her because it comes within like what seems like 10 feet of her. It's not even really that close. And at this point, she becomes completely useless and can't carry her own bag. Seriously. She acts like it almost fell on top of her, but it was really nowhere near her. They then start going through that whole god-awful Snow White song, and they come across a watering spot and share a tender moment. Even though we've had some trouble, it's really very nice to be here with you. Aw, that's so sweet. Wait, who the fuck? Oh, God, VC decides to show up back up, and I guess she's checking in on them. You know, since we met in the weirdest thing something happening to us, Cindy nearly got killed by a dry tree that fell down the woods. Oh, come on! That branch was so far away from her, it's not even funny. Also, are you going to acknowledge the fact that VC popped out of the woods like some stalker? I know you said that you were worried about AG, and ever since you met him, weird stuff started happening to him. But you met her first, and then you met that weirdo. You know... Oh, yeah. And, by the way, she tells them that she's got a place in the woods that they can stay. 
Sure, you can trust her. She only ran away and left you by yourself with that weirdo that you're talking about when she got scared. I, the motives of these characters sometimes drive me up the fucking wall. And so as they leave, we're also shown that, of course, A.G. is following them too. And he's now in full stalker mode. And he gets his own long, nothing happens tracking shot. Seriously, how many of these are there going to be? Fuck, it's back-to-back traveling shots. This time it's a VC, Cindy, and Tony. Is there a point to these fucking shots? Seriously, by the time that I've gone through this so far, there's been at least six or seven different shots that have gone that are just of nothing but following something or somebody and no fucking thing happening. <sighs> I guess they're only really there to waste my time. So it's at one point that during these tracking shots that they stop for a little bit of dialogue. These ruins belong to the house where we're going to sleep. Inside, there is an old cellar that goes right underground. People say that somewhere at the very end, there is a freshwater spring. And the point of that was to talk about the water? I'm sure it'll come back to us later on, but it's like dialogue for dialogue's sake, so we don't get bored by more fucking tracking shots. So they finally arrive at VC's place, which of course doesn't look creepy at all, by the way. Uh, I mean, it looks just like a fucking room with a door. Uh, and Cindy turns out to be truly the only smart one. I don't know whether it's better for us by staying here. Maybe it's better if we leave. Oh, come on. Don't be stupid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, don't be stupid. I mean, we don't know this lady. This place looks like a room that people have been killed in. And it's dark with barely any light at all. In fact... You run out and do something while I get my dick ripped off by good old VC right here. If you haven't guessed it already, VC brought him right into the dick-ripping central from the start of the film. She's like a goddamn succubus. You know, maybe I have... Let me see if I have Tree Fitty I can give her so she can go away. So there's more Sam Raimi cam, this time around Cindy, who also does kind of the fashion shoot thing that we got with Tony. And, And then it cuts back to... VC and Tony hanging out. VC pulls out some foil thing and asks Tony, Mom, let's know some of this and we'll have a nice time. Wait, what? Let's do some crack? That sounds like a great idea, Tony. You're so smart and clever that doing this crack won't harm you in any way, right? So VC snorts him first, then Tony does as well. But he also drops some of that stuff into which I can't tell is blood, oil, or shit. You know, uh, well, I can't quite tell, but the cocaine, and yeah, I'm sorry. Notice it was powder instead of it being rocks, but you can do it to both, okay? But it's more like cocaine. Uh, It starts to make that stuff bubble, whatever it is. VC convinces Tony to put more in, and it spurts out and then covers half of his face, forcing him to run to Cindy. He finds her sitting by herself next to some ruins, but doesn't mention the coke at all, just that he got some shit on his face. As much as he cares for her, he keeps leaving her by herself, and that's a hell of a lot. He runs off and grabs some, like, fire to light up whatever these things are that they found. I guess they're like some ruins, which brings over VC. What's going on? What's this stuff? Something great. Is that, like, Texas gold or maybe some of that flammable shit I keep hearing about so much. So damn dark that I can't make out what the hell it's supposed to be anyway. 
They don't really talk about it other than running away, so I guess, well, fuck it. It's flaming shit. Tony tosses this black shit away, which VC warns about not to do. And then all of a sudden we see that Dickless is back, but in zombie form. He's even trained to bark like a dog or make zombie noises. I'm not sure which. Here, here for yourself. <laughs> to me, it seriously sounds like a dog's bark's been like slowed down and kind of amplified uh, some way, shape, or form. So we cut back to our couple, and Tony now isn't feeling that well. I don't feel well. Since the filthy stuff splashed me, feels strange. Well, you did get that VC shit on your face, and you snorted some coke. That might make anyone feel like shit. You should have listened to VC and Cindy. That's your bad, bro. We then get the Raimi zombie cam, and it looks like Dickless is going for our couple. Tony starts getting like a little fever and a clock starts going crazy in the corner uh, and he starts spouting some weird gibberish. The clock on the wall starts going really batshit crazy and then stops all of a sudden. A little pops out from where, like, you know, you'd normally see like a cuckoo bird pop out and it starts just like spewing blood everywhere from its little head. Cindy, she slams the clock door shut and then Tony rises from his resting spot screaming. He's scared, but she claims it's just a nightmare. She'll get medicine. Even better, there's supposed to be spring water in the ruins. Oh, so that's where it comes in. And that'll just solve everything if they just get some fresh water. Sure, it'll bring down the fever, you know, it'll clear everything that possibly could go on. That's where Dickless the zombie is too. Sure, let's go back to the zombie so he can have a snack. There's another walking, tracking shot scene, but this time there's at least panting so you get some noise. And then our couple stops. Suddenly, Dickless attacks them to the worst music possible. Seriously, they could have just played like Benny Hill music and it would have been better than what they played there because there really wasn't much of a struggle. It's literally just them trying to put the chains on Dickless to tie him to the, this like wheel that's sitting there. And that's what you kind of hear towards the end of it is they're getting it. But <laughs> Tony and Dickless are just like struggling with each other and it's supposed to be like them like fighting or being scared or being rushed. And Dickless, he looks more like a mummy than a zombie in that scene. At least in those, like, the further away shots and not the up-close shots. It's just bad. I mean, it's just really bad. The whole little sequence is bad. That's That that 30 seconds that you got was the whole scene of them fighting the zombie and chaining him up. That's it. You know, like I said, slap some Benny Hill theme music on that. 
and it would make a better scene. From that point, they run some more, and Tony freaks the fuck out while Sandy tries to calm him down. I must find a way. There's nothing left to do. It's the end. Uh, we'll never make it. We'll die here. It's over. You understand? No. Listen. You just can't give up like this. You can't give up. We must find a way. You just can't give up. This, of course, t- causes Tony to think that there's only one thing that you do at a time like this. This is gonna be our last night. Well, let's have fun. Ah! Ah! Let's make ah! love. Give it us. Give it us. I wonder if she thinks he's possessed. I mean, she only said it like six or seven times there. And that, bro, that's not the way to get laid either. I know it's bad to say this, especially what I'm going to say. But if you watch the scene, you get the feeling that he's trying to rape her. But he doesn't really know how to go about it. It's like his mind and his words are saying rape, but his body is saying, let's dance. She runs away from him, and guess who shows up to take her place? Hey, it's good old VC is here to fang her way into his life. You want me, don't you? You've been looking for me all your life, even if you didn't know it. Well, say goodbye to your dick, Tony, and get ready to become a zombie. So he follows her to where she wants to fuck, or at least that's what we're led to believe, and as they start to get busy a little bit, the clock comes out, and then she throws him into a tree? Like, the tree roots, like, start, like, spawning, and they're like a claw, and it starts, like, wrap around him. I gotta say, he's getting off pretty light compared to Dickless. I mean, he lost his dick, and Tony's just being thrown into a tree. Suddenly, A.G. comes out of the woods with an axe and saves Tony. A.G. turns to V.C., axe ready to strike, with her claw vag, uh, you know, hanging out of her vag, I should say, and then says some of the weirdly acted lines in this entire movie. Daddy, daddy, we can finally settle our scores. You've never loved your little daughter, daddy. You always treated her like a witch. But you can't live without her. Okay, first off, what the fuck was with that voice? And what the fuck does all that mean? She's his daughter? Or are they like some weird like couple? Or did he like create her? I can't wrap my head around it at all. Well, AG can't either and he doesn't stand for her shit and cuts off her vag claw. She then grabs him by the throat. Well, not really by the throat. She grabs him by the axe and kind of presses it against his throat and they start to struggle. We keep cutting back between them struggling and the claw, like, slowly dying as she starts to choke the life out of A.G., ultimately crushing his throat with his own axe. The claw dies, and the worst makeup in this whole film pops up. Words cannot really describe how dumb this looks. It looks like, like, kind of like Arnold from the Mars scene in Total Recall, but way worse. Seriously, 
VC has gone full troll two on us. And if you want an example, check out the Facebook page because I put an image of it up there. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, her eyes are like bulging out. It's all weirdly blue. She still has like the high voice, and it still doesn't make any sense because I don't know what the connection between the two of them were. Because this is where I talk about like the Van Helsing moment. If he was like a Van Helsing type character and he's hunting down these witches, like Van Helsing hunts down vampires, then her saying, I'm your daughter, doesn't make any sense. It it just puts more questions that don't get any fucking answers at all in the rest of this movie. Well, Tony at this point has come back to his senses. And though he's totally pushed out at this point, he's calling and screaming for Cindy and it's at this point that Dickless has now broken from the chains that bound him to the wheel. Tony, in his infinite wisdom of being sad and being scared, puts his hands down on this rock. And Dickless all of a sudden comes out and uses a bigger rock to bash his hands off. At first, I was writing down a joke about, oh, I, you know, I thought he just like bashed his thing. And I'm like, oh, he's going to break off his hands, you know, ha 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 ha. But that actually happened. He took off Tony's hands by just bashing a huge rock down on top of them. Well, I guess Tony got what he deserved? You don't mess with a zombie witch's pussy, I guess. Uh, Tony runs away and finds Cindy, who doesn't seem phased at all by the fact that he's spurting blood everywhere from his broken stubs. Her solution is just to stay calm and find water. Stay calm, okay? I'll go down to the cell to find some fresh water. No, come back, so I back. Don't leave me alone. I'm scared. Okay, all right. Please. I'll be back in a second, okay? Wait. She said that she'd find water for him. Then when he asked her to stay, she's like, okay. And then, no, I'm going to leave you all alone again and go find some fucking water. Make fucking sense, movie. I, I just don't understand the actions of these characters sometimes. It fucking drives me crazy. You know, and then, then there's magical healing water. Hey, that's going to fix everything. It's going to grow his hands right back too, right? You know, it's going to fix fever. It's going to fix uh, missing limbs, uh, zombieism, wh- whatever else could go wrong. This magical spring water that we never fucking see. So, of course, again, at this point, we get another fucking tracking shot of Cindy going to the basement to find the water. You know, these are the darkest of dark runes, and there's some stuff that the camera focuses on, but I can't really tell if they're, like, other guys or what exactly are. They look like people hanging from the walls, uh, you know, and I assume that it's all VC's other dickless trophies, uh, you know, but I can't, I can't quite tell what it is. It was just really, really dark, especially where I, and the transfer didn't work so well, at least the digital version that I watched. Uh, so these long shots then get interrupted by Dickless, who starts attacking Cindy with a scythe. Now, I shouldn't really say that he's attacking, because he's more of just, like, herding her out of these ruins, away from the magical water that she never finds. He does manage to get the scythe close enough to her leg, which, though it doesn't seem to hit her, makes her walk with a limp. And this limp continues on through the rest of the movie. She runs back to Tony, well, limps back to Tony, where he looks dead, but he really isn't. And she screams at him, possibly the worst line in the movie. Is it our end to all of this? I should 
shouldn't necessarily say that it's the worst line in the movie, but maybe it's the worst acted line in the entire movie. And at this point, she runs off to leave him to get decapitated by Dickless. Tony is just having the worst day ever. I think it would have been better if VC just ripped his dick off and made him a zombie like Dickless over there. At least then he could have got revenge on Cindy for ditching him. I guess you could say that Tony was in over his head on this one. <laughs> well, the zombie then uh, drinks and licks some of Tony's decapitated head, and it cuts over to A.G. now rising from the dead. Hey, are we going to get like an A.G. versus Dickless zombie in some sort of like awesome zombie battle? No, they're just going to go after Cindy, who's really had it up to here with these monsters. Oh, you fucking creatures! Don't think you get me so easily! This causes her to somehow light these, like, three candles, which are supposed to scare off now these zombies of A.G. and Dickless. And A.G. and Dickless begin to have some fun with her when they trap her in the room, you know. But at this point, I kind of wonder, where's V.C. at? It seems for the last... I don't know. It seems like 20 minutes, but probably is not as long. She's just kind of disappeared from the film. She went all total recall, then vanished, you know, leaving us to wonder what the hell is going on. Is she going to be seen again? Does she, did she die? Maybe she killed him and that claw was like her life force. I fuck. I don't know. All right. So Cindy tries to run, run away, but Dickless, he grabs the, the rod and fishing line that uh, they had from early in the film and sag Cindy right on her face. I mean, that looks like it would feel horrible to have that fishing hook rip across her face. She somehow manages to break free from the hook, which causes the zombie dickless to reel back, and she finds, randomly, a chainsaw, which she plunges into A.G.'s stomach, killing him. Well, I mean, he's incapacitated, to say the least. And of course, while sawing through him, the damn chainsaw runs out of gas. Now, she's able to find a chainsaw, but not this magical water, I should mind you. You know, she can't attack Dickless with the chainsaw anymore, so she has no attack to to stop him. Or does she? She opens up her compact. Yes, I said compact. And then directs some sunlight that's coming through the wall at Dickless. And it causes him to cower in the fucking corner i mean it's not enough small like sunlight to kill a small ant but it manages to fucking put dickless in a comatose state back in the fucking corner so it looks like dickless's head is going to explode due to the sunlight but instead of it it just kind of melts i should also mention that the whole time that like dickless was uh chasing cindy past killing tony he was carrying around tony's head and he was kind of taunting cindy with it And before he goes down, he managed to stick that head on a hook of the wall in the room. So, Cindy, she manages to get away, uh, and there's this weird recap in the room of A.G.'s corpse in one corner, Tony's head on the hook, and then Dickless melted in the corner. And then with the sunlight coming in, you kind of, uh, it's destroying everything. Then, of course, guess what the last two minutes of this film are? It's a tracking shot of Cindy running to a field. That's it. Seriously. She went to a field. We do get one more Raimi cam up to VC's body on a bridge, but it's ultimately for nothing. I mean, it just kind of travels along. You see it. um, And this is before... You'll hear what the the sound happens after Cindy says her last line in the movie. That's the camera coming up to the corpse. 
Uh, but it's really nothing. Like, so I guess she's still alive. I guess maybe she kind of died. I, I don't get it. You know, the zombie dickless and AG can be attacked by light and be destroyed, but not VC. <sighs> well, Cindy's thanking, constantly saying thank you and crying, uh, but does manage to get one last line, one last full line before the film ends. Thank you. Thank you. God of light. <laughs> clutch and man this is just a bad movie the pacing is really horrible with a good 60 percent of the movie just being these tracking traveling shots i mean it's it happens all the time and i really wanted to spend more time maybe analyzing it but when your majority of your movie is just those shots and small set pieces there's nothing much to do nothing goes on and we may get a little bit of dialogue until the next tracking shot the ending also makes very little sense whatsoever. And, you know, there's there's some backstory between AG and VC that we never really get to see. You know, I mean, I imagine that maybe he accidentally released her and created her. Maybe that was his wife. Or maybe that was really his daughter. Like she says, it was his daughter. And she was trying to find out the story and stuff like that. And really... The, the it's not the tumor that he had you know he had surgery because some big accident happened and she got possessed by the demons the witch and that created her and he had to recover and he's trying to right the wrongs you know at least some type of little backstory that would give us something but you know i, I understand we're told about these witches but what is it really you know is it something to do with him being a writer maybe he wrote uh, about this person and it came to life you know i i just don't know and and the other thing that gets me is how stupid can these two main characters be he's an asshole and she's fucking useless i know there's a stereotype that's going on here especially with the female uh role in the film you're either you know the witch and the bad person the succubus or you're fucking useless you know, though she is the smartest person in the movie, if they had just never done any of this stuff, if they had just gone back to Venice like she had said, movie be over. Uh, it's The effects are cheesy, the dialogue just seems rushed, and really the ending makes very little sense. 
overall, I give the crap factor of movie this movie a five out of five. It's it's bad. Uh, the fun factor it's a one out of five. There are some good moments that you can see, and there's some enjoyable dialogue. And when you first see the vagina claw, it's fun and funny. Uh, but there's just there's too many of those tracking shots and. I give the gore a two out of five, mainly for the hand scene, which looks pretty good, uh, and the scene with the uh, with Dickless taking off the head and, and holding it and drinking it and stuff like that. But the other scenes are just kind of cheesy, gory. Not really much that you see. Overall, I'm going to give this movie two vag claws out of five. I'm really not going to knock this movie for its dub. And as bad as it is, it was originally an Italian film, and in the 80s, dubbing just wasn't very good i mean just watch some old anime that was dubbed into english uh and really like i said before it's like they did the lines in english and then redubbed it so i'm not sure i don't know if i can really blame it for that but the pacing of this movie is just so poor that i can't overlook it if there weren't so many tracking shots of just nothing but music and them walking or a car moving or whatever i wouldn't have minded so much I think at one point I was trying to count them and I just decided I'm not going to do any more. I lost count and that's it. It's really hard to look past. You know, I'd give it a watch if you really want to see some 80s cheese, but know that this will most likely bore you, to be honest. So, uh, as for our next feature, it's a movie that I've wanted to see for quite some time. it's hard to tell but the next episode that we're going to be uh discussing is going to be deathbed the bed that eats you can find the trailer on vimeo for some reason in the u.s if you're in the u.s uh the trailer is blocked uh on youtube but vimeo has it and you can watch it and that's uh basically what you get 
Um, it is available on YouTube in its entirely, and of course, it's available on Amazon Instant Streaming. Uh, you can go either way. Uh, it's up to you. I believe YouTube right now it's technically free, um, but uh, you know, depending on your country, it may be blocked. Uh, and I've been fascinated in seeing this movie ever since I first heard the Patton Oswalt bit uh, about it. And now that I can finally watch it in its entirety, uh, I figured what a better way to start the new year. So, uh, as always, you can find the podcast on Twitter. It's at T underscore T underscore podcast. Check out our Facebook page where I post little video clips sometimes from the movie when I'm watching them. Or in this case, like I post a picture of uh, the transformation that VC did uh, and give it a like. Uh, also, you know, leave a review on iTunes or Spreaker or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast on. You can always email movie ideas to terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm very thankful to those that have sent in suggestions. I did get a new one. Uh, that will be the movie after Deathbed, uh, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. You can contact me also directly on Twitter. It's T00LBERT. Um, and always listen to uh, our secondary podcast that I do with uh, my co-host Patrick called It Be Like That. And we just kind of go on topics. We try to choose uh, uh, one thing or a couple things that we're talking about, uh, you know, that interest us. And it's a fun listen if you have a chance. Um, and again, I also want to thank Projection Booth Podcast. Uh, they are Pro Booth Podcast on Twitter. Pro Booth Cast, I'm sorry. Uh, and they're the ones that suggested this movie uh, for this episode. You can also catch their podcast on iTunes and at projection-booth.com. So next time, we're going to go through Deathbed, the bed that eats. Have a safe and happy new year, and we'll see you sometime after the first. Take care. I'm trying to write movies. It's fucking hard, man. And it got even harder this year because they released a movie on DVD. It was made in 1977. They never released it. It just now got put out on DVD this year, and it's called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. I'm not making... Go IMDb this. This is a real movie. Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. And it's about a bed that's evil, and it eats people. That's the whole movie. And the backstory is it's like the 1500s. There's a demon. The guy kills the demon with the sword. The demon's blood gets on the bed. Now the bed's possessed. Go to present day, 77. When people fuck on the bed, the bed kills them because it's evil. That's the, that's the fucking plot. So I've sold four different movies to four different uh, studios. And a lot of you are thinking, hey, you got it made, kid. Hang on. Because when you sell a screenplay, you then go through a one-year notes process that will make you want to stab yourself in the eyes with your own dick that you've torn off, shellacked, and turned into a letter opener. That is how insane. Like, yeah, um, we have some notes. On page two, she's eating peanuts, but then later she's wearing a hat. Does that make sense? You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? This guy wrote deathbed, the bed that eats people, took it to a second guy and said, okay, it's called deathbed, the bed that eats people. Now the backstory is, there's a demon, and then the second guy said, stop drilling, you hit oil. You had me at deathbed. We are going to rent cameras, buy film stock, hire a crew, we are shooting this masterpiece. 
They hired a crew. Caterers woke up at dawn and boiled coffee and sliced bagels for people to have the fuel to act in deathbed, the bed that eats people. A carpenter drove nails into wood, building the deathbed. Probably tore his shoulder out. You know, fucked up his rotator cuff. Couldn't play catch with his son growing up. Now the son grows up to resent him. He's blowing guys in bus stations all day. Fifty dicks in his ass like the tail of a peacock. And his dad's going, you know what? He'll finally understand when he sees deathbed, the bed that eats people. Of the four movies I've sold, I've started ten other screenplays. I get halfway through and go, fuck it. I'm, I, just, I just give up. I, just, I have no discipline. I just, ah, I can't fucking finish it. This guy thought up Deathbed, the bed that eats people, and fucking finished it. That means one of two things happened. He either never had a moment's doubt, just hit that typewriter every day, just going, yeah, and then the pillow starts to smother. Oh, this is awesome. Reach down, God, give me a high five. Boom. <laughs> well, here's what's worse. What if he had moments of doubt and then fucking worked through them? That's so much worse for me if he was just going, and then the pillow starts to, what the fuck am I writing? I'm putting my name on this piece of shit. No, I will finish this. I will finish what I start. Hear that little poster of the kitten hanging in the tree going, just hang in there, baby. He goes, yes, I will hang in there, kitten. So look for my new movie next summer. Uh, it's called Rape Stove. The stove that rapes people. I'm very excited. 